0: Now, enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston.
1: The title of the message today is Restoration for Our Soul. Restoration for Our Soul. David says in Psalm 23 and verse 3, He restores my soul. What a glorious message! lies in these four words. It is a positive, life-giving message of hope. It helps us to realize that no matter what we may have done, no matter how we may have fallen, no matter how ungodly we may have acted, (coughs) the Good Shepherd is willing to forgive us and restore us to infinite fellowship with Himself. The fact is that all of us need to have our soul restored periodically. Life is tough. We get beat up by discouragement, by depression, by despair. We experience failure, frustrations, and fears. We all have hidden hurts from our past. We carry around battle scars and emotional baggages. God wants to restore our soul. So the question is, how does He do that? He does that when we allow Him to make three changes in our lives. First, by letting Him remove our guilt. By letting Him remove our guilt. Nothing destroys a soul faster than guilt. David says in Psalm 38, verses four and and six, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. There are two problems with guilt. One, we have plenty of reasons to feel guilty. We are all imperfect, we all make mistakes, and we carry guilt in our lives. And the second thing about guilt is that we can't get away from it. It is in our mind. Even if we go to a new location, we carry a guilty conscience with us. So the question is, how do you get rid of guilt? How do you deal with guilt in your life? There are a lot of options. You can deny it, pretend it doesn't exist. You can bury the past, but that really doesn't work. It is still alive, it resurrects itself, and just about the time you think that it is buried, the feeling comes back into your mind at the most inappropriate time. You can minimize it by saying it's no big deal that sin was not a big sin. Then if it was not a big sin, why do you still remember it? You can compromise it just by lowering your standards by saying I don't believe it's wrong anymore. You can rationalize your guilt by saying that everybody does it. In the first place, everybody doesn't do it. Even if they did, justifying an action by somebody else's behavior doesn't make it any easier on you. That's right. You can't blame other people. But blaming other people doesn't make it any easier on you. Most of us beat ourselves up none of these things work there is only one solution to our guilt we have to give it to god he is the only one who can remove our guilt paul says in romans 3:23 uh, through 25 for everyone has sinned we all fall short of god's glorious standard Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ, through Christ Jesus, when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. The most basic truth of Christianity is that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he paid the price for all that we have done or will ever do. Everything we have ever done wrong has been already paid for at Calvary. All of the sins, mistakes, regrets in the future have already been paid for. We just need to ask God to forgive us and accept what Jesus did for us on the cross where he paid for all the sins that we would commit past, present, and future. That is how our guilt is removed. No psychologist can remove our guilt. They don't have the power to forgive sins. I don't know what you have done But it doesn't matter because your forgiveness is not based on how bad you have been, but on how good God is. What matters is not what you have done, but what Jesus Christ has already done for you. How do you get forgiveness from God? Not by trying to bribe him, by telling him that you'll never do it again. You don't bargain with God, you simply trust him. Uh, to forgive you. The Apostle John, in 1 John chapter 1, 8 and 9, says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and there is no truth in us. But if we confess our sins to God, he will keep his promise and do what is right. He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all our wrongdoing. Confess your sins to God and accept his free gift of forgiveness. That is good news, great news. In other words, I can wipe the slate clean, start over, and have a clear conscience. But someone might say, I have asked God to forgive me and I still feel guilty. That means you don't understand how God forgives, that it is immediate, it is complete, it is unconditional, and he wipes out the guilt the very first time you ask. If you feel guilty about a sin that you have already confessed to God, this guilt is not from God, it is from the devil. He wants you to feel bad. He'll tell you that your sin is too bad and that God could never forgive you that you have gone too far, that you have acted too ungodly, that you have fallen too low, that God doesn't care about you. So how does God forgive us? Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, 13 and 14, you were at one time spiritually dead because of your sins, but God has now brought you to life with Christ. God forgave us all our sins. He canceled the unfavorable record of our debts with its binding rules and did away with it completely by nailing it to the cross. You see, God wiped out the evidence. He completely annulled it. He takes our sins Threw them, as it were, in the deepest part of the ocean, puts up a no-fishing sign and says, forget it. God chooses to forget sin that has been confessed and forgiven. See, so when you pay a bill, do you still worry about it? No. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, meaning that he has paid the penalty for our sins. So the question is, why keep beating yourself up over something that God has already taken care of? If you, don't really, if you don't really feel forgiven, every time something goes wrong in your life, then you are going to think, God is getting even with me. He is punishing me for my sin or sins. He is not, because all your punishment was taken by Jesus Christ. So why would God punish you when he has already punished his son? Jesus paid the penalty so we would not have to. Let God remove your guilt by confessing your sins to him and accepting his forgiveness. Secondly, by letting God relieve our grief by letting God relieve our grief. Not all of the things in life that damage us are things that we bring upon ourselves. Sometimes we have grief because of things done to us. Sometimes we have grief over seeing other people being hurt. The fact is, we will be hurt in life. We will experience loneliness in life, Some days our heart will be broken. Some days we will experience sorrow, loss, grief. So what do you do when your heart is breaking? What do you do when grief overwhelms you? Throw a pity party? Withdraw into a shell and isolate yourself from everyone? No, there are other options. You can let Jesus restore your soul. David was very acquainted with grief. He understood how it damages the soul when we are hurt. He prayed in Psalm 31, 9, and 10, Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I am dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sometimes we grieve because of our own stupid actions. We do stupid things and make serious mistakes and get ourselves into all kinds of trouble. We grieve over that. Sometimes we grieve because we see people we love who are hurting. Sometimes we grieve because of the loss of a loved one. Sometimes you grieve because we are innocent and someone has victimized us or hurt us. David in Second Samuel chapter 12 gives us some tips on how to handle grief. David's son with Bathsheba was born sick and David grieved over that. He got on his knees, prayed and fasted. I'm not certain for how long. But the baby died anyway. So what did David do with his grief? He did three things that we need to do if God is to restore our soul when we are grieving. One, accept what cannot be changed. Second Samuel 12, 20-23 says, David got up from the floor, took a bath, combed his hair, and changed his clothes. Then he went and worshipped in the house of the Lord. When he returned to the palace, he asked for food and ate it as soon as it was served. We don't understand this, his officials said to him. While the child was alive, you you wept for him and would not eat. But as soon as he died, you got up and ate. Yes, David answered, I did fast and weep while he was alive. I thought that the Lord might be merciful to me and not let the child die. But now that he's dead, why should I fast? Could I bring the child back to life? I will someday go to where he is, but he can never come back to me. Perhaps You've been hurt by parents, by partners, by peers. All of the grieving in the world is not going to change the past. Accept what you cannot change. I cannot change my background. I cannot change the hurts I've experienced. Neither can you. Acceptance is the first step to healing the mind, the will, and the emotions. Accept what cannot be changed. If a loved one is gone, then accept that fact and try to move on. Talk to God, and he will sustain you by his grace and and comfort you. But move on from there because you cannot bring back your loved one. But the second thing uh, about David's... um, experiences. Don't exaggerate your grief. Dedicate it. Don't exaggerate your grief. Dedicate it. Give it to God. Jesus said, blessed are those that mourn. But we often hold on to our mourning too long and turn it into mourning. When David's son died, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped, which gave him a new perspective and the strength to carry on. But the third thing is, focus on what's left, not what's lost. Second Samuel chapter 12, 24, which is not in your outline, says, Then David comforted his wife, Bathsheba, and he went to her and lay with her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. And what a blessing Solomon was uh, to his father. He was regarded as the wisest and the richest man in the world of his time. And um, the Proverbs uh, he wrote which we still enjoy. And the world has been blessed by, by, by Solomon. Some of you maybe going through grief right now, and I know someone who is. Because of the loss of someone you loved who was important to you. It hurts. But it does not have to devastate you if you will open your life up to Christ and let him heal your emotions. The rest of your life can be the best of your life. But the third thing that we do in order for God to restore us is by letting God replace our resentments. You see, resentment comes from what other people do to you. You feel guilty for what you have done to others, but you feel resentment for what others have done to you. You see, life isn't fair. People will hurt you sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. Either way, it still hurts. How you handle the resentments of life determine whether you are a bitter person or a better person. What we do with all the hurts that have piled up, all the emotional baggage that we still resent, is important. Listen to what Job has to say in Job 5 and verse 2. He says, to worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. Why? Because resentment never hurts the other person. It only hurts you. Some of you may still be allowing people from your past to hurt you. And it is foolish because the past is past. They cannot hurt you anymore unless you keep rehearsing What they they did to you in your mind. Every time you rehearse that resentment, they will hurt you again. They may even be dead and they are still hurting you from the grave. Holding on to a hurt only hurts you. What you do with your resentments is important. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 19. Paul says, dear friends, don't try to get even. Let God take revenge. In the scriptures, the Lord says, I am the one to take revenge and pay them back. Because of sin in this world, we know, as I've said before, that life is not fair. And there's no point in expecting that um, it's going to, things are going to be fair that people are going to treat you the right way, that the system of justice will treat you the right way, that uh, somehow you'll be able to escape uh, the, the meanness uh, of people. Sometimes innocent people suffer, and sometimes guilty and evil people prosper. And even David uh, had a problem with that um, uh, in, I, think, I believe it is Psalms 70 or you see, justice is not always served in this world and how we know it as a people. We see it every day. But God has said that one day he's going to settle the score. Right. One day he's going to call it into account, right the wrongs, settle the issues that were left unsettled here, the crimes, the injustices, the prejudices, the racism, the sexism, the rapes, the murders, the hurts, The abuses. In the meantime, the Bible says, don't avenge yourselves. So what do you do instead? Listen to Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, 31 and 32. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Forgive each other just as God in Christ has forgiven you. You see, if you have been forgiven, God expects you to be forgiving. You will never have to forgive any person more than God has already forgiven you. So, what is it? you feel guilty about. All the minimizing, the rationalizing, the compromising, and blaming, and and beating up yourself doesn't work. Jesus Christ can remove that guilt and that resentment, and nobody else can. He specializes in new beginnings. He can wipe the slate clean. There is no reason in the world for any of us to continue feeling guilty when Jesus offers forgiveness. All we need to do is accept it. So stop punishing yourself for the past. You don't need a self-help book to help you. What you need is a savior. You need a shepherd. If you will give him a chance, he will restore peace in your troubled mind. He will restore joy to your disheartened soul. He will restore calmness to your tense nerves and contentment to your searching heart. Regardless of the road we must travel, regardless of the mountains we must climb, regardless of the valleys we must cross, regardless of the burdens we must bear, or regardless of the trials we must face, We are led by the Good Shepherd and we shall overcome. Remember, there is no problem which God cannot solve. There is no situation which God cannot change. There is no hardship which God cannot help you through. There is no sorrow which God cannot comfort. There is no burden which God cannot uh, lift. There is no illness which God cannot heal. There is no crisis which God cannot handle. There is no fear which God cannot relieve. There is no hurt which God cannot heal. There is no storm which God cannot calm. And there is no sin which God cannot forgive. And if we hold to his hand, we will discover that he will not only restore our soul and lead us in the path of righteousness, but lead us into the glorious city of God where we will have the privilege of worshiping and praising Him through the ages of eternity, as we often say, forever and ever and ever. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org and tune in every Saturday morning at 1030